Men, welcome to the Men's Global Live Stream. So happy to be with you today. If you're just joining us, we're in week three of a new series called Be Good Trouble. Be Good Trouble. Culture, music, movies, the world says that um, we need men like a fish needs a bicycle. They're telling us that men are useless. They're telling us that men are the problem. They're saying that men are trouble. Well, I'm here to tell you, you are. And uh, it's time to be good trouble. You do that by becoming God's man. By stepping into your full inheritance and living the life God has, has ordained and gifted you. Man, I love being a man. I wake up every day. I look in the mirror and I say, I love being a man. I'm, 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 I'm glad God has made me a man. He created me as a man. And, and I don't think we say that enough. I think every day you should be saying that I love being a man. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about uh, building an ethos of courage. Now we're going to start talking about what that looks like um, in real time, in your masculinity, um, in your manhood. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14, he says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Be strong, let all you do be done in love. Paul Paul tells us to act like men. Well, well, what does he mean? Um, we don't we don't necessarily know what that what that means today. We've we've forgotten. Uh, we didn't have an example. We didn't have anyone to follow growing up. And I'll, I'll never forget what Robert Lewis told me. Robert Lewis once told me, "Chris, you can't become what you can't define." If you don't have a definition, something, something good, some good definition to work towards, then you can't become that thing. You can't become a good husband if you don't know what it means to be a good husband. You can't uh, become a, a faithful uh, follower of Jesus if you don't have a good definition of what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus. And you can't become a man if you don't know what it means to be a man. And, and here's the reality, brothers. So much of what is wrong in the world today is due to the fact that men have fallen apart. They don't know what it means to be a good man, God's man. A couple of generations ago, um, men were confident in their call. One generation ago, men began to compromise that call, and today, men are confused <laughs> about that call. They're confused about their purpose and and. They have no path in this world. It went from confidence to compromise to confusion. And that's nothing new. Like you see it all throughout the Bible. That's, that's exactly why one of the, the most used commands and the most uh, spoken commands from God is remember. He was always telling his children. He was always telling Israel to remember, remember me, remember my goodness, remember my faithfulness. Like he wanted us to, to pass that goodness and faithfulness. He wanted us to take all the stories of, 
um, triumph and victory, all the blessing he had for his people, and he wanted us to pass that down. You see it right there um, in the end of Joshua, at the end of Joshua's life, right? As for me and my house, we, we will serve the Lord. He says, he says you do the same, and he's, he's, he's remembering God's goodness and remembering God's faithfulness, and he's passing that down to the, to the next generation. But then, then you get to Judges. You get to the next book in the Bible, Joshua to Judges. You get to Judges chapter 2, and what does it say? It says, Then came a generation who did not know. And they did what was wicked in the eyes of the Lord. Like it wasn't passed on. You had, you had Joshua's generation that was um, confident. And then you had an entire generation, about 30 year span, that began to compromise. And then you had a new generation that was absolutely confused. They didn't know. So they did what was wicked in the eyes of the Lord. I think that's where we are today. A couple of generations ago, men were confident. A generation ago, we began to compromise our masculinity and manhood. And today, today we are confused. You know, some of my favorite authors like Steve Farrar and Robert Lewis, more recently John Tyson, they have, they have wrote about these things, right? They have, they have wrote about where men are today and, and categories of men. So, so what I want to do um, today, this week... I want to share with you four or five different categories of men. And I want you to ask yourself, man, where are you right now? In this time of confusion, in this time of the emasculation of manhood and masculinity, like, like where are you today? There, there really are only, only five types of men. There, there, there are five types of men today. The first type um, is what's being called the uninitiated man. It's the uninitiated man. Um, C.S. Lewis said, these, these are men without chest. Robert Lewis calls it a hollow masculinity. Men without chest, right? Men who are anxious and stuck between, between how they know the world should be and, and how it actually is. So they're anxious they're fearful. They're not walking in that full inheritance, right? They're not, they're not Caleb. What did Caleb say the second time he got back to the promised land? He said, I'm twice as old, but God has made me just as strong. Give me the land he promised me. And that land was the hill country, like the hardest land to take. Caleb said, I'm ready. I'm going. Faithful. He was initiated. He was, he was taking initiative on, on, on behalf of others for the betterment of others, for, for, for God. Man, I don't see that a lot today. I don't see a ton of Caleb's. What I see are uninitiated men, men who are paralyzed by self-doubt, self men who are anxious, men who are, who are stuck. So ask yourself, man, is that... Is that me? Am I the, the uninitiated man? The second type of man is the self-initiated man. The self-initiated man. This is, 
This is the man that's trying to, to make it through life on his own, right? He's resolved, uh, invictus. He's the master of his own fate. He's the captain of his soul, right? This is the David Goggins, Grant Cardone, Joe Rogan approach, right? The, uh, these men out here just grasping for something. And if need be, they're going to take it by force. They're trying to um, establish their, their masculinity in, in things like sex and accomplishment, affirmation and approval. And, and more often than not, this, this manifests itself out in unhealthy sex, unhealthy accomplishment, unhealthy affirmation and approval. But, but these men are the masters of their faith. They're the captain of their souls self-initiated, right? Um, we may go farther together, but man, I go faster alone, so, so I don't need you, right? That quote, every, every morning in, in, in Africa, a lion wakes up and knows that if it wants to eat, it's got to outrun the slowest gazelle. And every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up and knows if it's going to survive, it must outrun the you know, fastest lion. So what's the point? Well, every morning in Africa, whether you're a lion or a gazelle, you had best be running, right? I see that picture. I see that, that, that quote. And these, the, these men are running, right? But the reality is they're, they're running towards nothing. What did, what did Kenny Rogers say in The Gambler? Man, they're just, they're just on a train bound for nowhere. These self-initiated men on a train bound for nowhere, grasping, grasping at anything that will give them purpose and, and life, and it's all fleeting. Ask yourself right now, man, am I the self-initiated man? Am I finding my purpose in my accomplishments? Am I finding my purpose in the car I drive, the house I live in, the figure in my bank account? Am I, am I finding purpose in sex, approval? And for, for years, this is exactly where I was. Even, even as a pastor, right? I love that my ministry was bigger than yours and my church was bigger than yours and everyone thought I was smart and, and funny, man, like I drank my own Kool-Aid. Nothing tastes better than my own Kool-Aid. Nothing tastes better than your own Kool-Aid, man. Like I let the hype go to my head. I was a self-initiated man, right? Not leaning on the Word of God. Not, man, there were, there were years that I was leading ministries that I wasn't, really, I wasn't reading the Bible. I wasn't praying. Like I was just literally leaning on my own ability, my own skills, my own natural gifts of God and just robbing Him of the glory. Man, I'm a glory junkie. Ask yourself, man, am I a glory junkie, right? Paul tells us that, that we really won't know Christ's strength until we've experienced weakness. Like it's in our weakness that, that His power is made known. So if all you do is just operate in your strength, if all you're doing is just operating for your own glory, you are robbing the cross of Jesus Christ of its power, of its purpose. So ask yourself, man, am I a self-initiated man? 
And then, and then the third type of man is a peer-initiated man, right? These are, these are men. These are brothers who have banded together, and they're trying to recover that lost path, but they get stuck in this kind of like frat culture, like this extended adolescence, right? It's the bros before hoes approach, right? There's no growth because there, there's no wisdom. It's not iron sharpening iron. It's, it's, it's one dull knife rubbing against another dull knife. Like there's nothing to sharpen. You're just in this extended adolescence. Yeah, maybe you found fellowship. Maybe you found community, but there's no growth. There's no strengthening. There's no wisdom. It's, it's pathetic. It's that peer-initiated man, that peer-initiated culture. Man, I see it. I see, I see 40 and 50 and 60-year-old men, 40 and 50 and 60-year-old former athletes, right, like still living for that locker room. It's like an overgrown frat guy. He's more, he's more annoying than he is helpful. So ask yourself, man, am I, am I that peer-initiated man? Am I, am I the uninitiated man? Am I the self-initiated man? Am I that peer-initiated man? And then there's the, there's the culture-initiated man, right? This is the man that's easily swayed by whatever definition culture produces, right? He, he lives in what we call a masculinity fog. He just, he just bounces from one cultural expression of masculinity to the next, right? He leaves a wake of hurt and confusion in his path. He, 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 he stands for nothing, and because he stands for nothing, like he falls for everything. He's just gullible. He's naive easily confused, and, and, and he goes along to get along. Whatever culture says, man, I'm in. He's, he's just culturally initiated. And I think, I think a lot of men today are in one of those four categories, right? They're either uninitiated, they're self-initiated, they're peer-initiated, or they're culture-initiated. But, but praise God, there is a fifth category. It's, it's what I call a spirit initiated man. This is a man like Caleb who has, who has stepped into his full inheritance. Right? He's not perfect, but he is progressing. Even when he falls, man, he's falling forward. Right? His strength is his softness. Right? He knows the true definition of being meek. Meek is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. When, when Jesus Christ exercised meekness on the cross, he was restraining his power, restraining his authority and ability. Right? His strength is his softness. His wisdom is born from experience. Man, he is wise because he has lived life. Right? He is aware that that the more he learns, the less he knows. The more he, he learns, the, the more he realizes he needs God. He's a, he's a humble man. I want, you, I want you to think about the Apostle Paul. Think about the Apostle Paul's spiritual progression, right? 
He gets saved miraculously on the road to Damascus, right? And he gets up and he looks around and he says, unbelievable, like I'm the, I'm the least of the apostles. Like I can't believe God saved me. I'm the least of the apostles, right? And then a few years later, he's growing in prominence. He's growing in stature. He's growing in his ministry. And he looks around and he says, he says, man, I'm wrong. Like I'm the least of the disciples. And then think about it a few years later, like he has even more prominence. He's even more influential. His ministry is, is becoming massive. And he looks around and he says, oh, I was wrong. I'm actually the chief of all sinners. And then you get to the end of his life. Like he's no, he's no, there, there, there's no one that can compare with him except maybe Peter, right? Full prominence, full glory. Like he's close to being with God and he looks around and he says, man, my life is but a drink offering ready to be poured out. And if you know anything about temple sacrifices, you know a drink offering was reserved for the poorest of the poor. Pour one out for my homies. That's where that comes from. Man, the older Paul got, the, the more he grew in prominence, the more he grew in holiness, the closer he got to God, this is beautiful, the more he realized how much he needed God. Man, with some of us men today, it's the opposite. The closer we get to God, the more we think about ourselves. No, man, the closer we get to God, the more we know how much we need God. That's the spirit-initiated man. The more he learns, he realizes, the less he knows. The spirit-initiated man is a selfless leader. He always takes initiative for the, for the betterment of others. Like he wants others to be considered more important than himself. He's always thinking about the needs of others. He's a, he's a selfless leader, right? The spirit-initiated man, he... He's tasted real success. He's tasted real influence and, and not born of fortune and fame and Instagram followers. Who cares about that, right? It's born of the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's the fruit of the Spirit that has richly manifested itself in his life, man. When I look at the fruit of the Spirit, I'm not shocked by what's on the list. I'm shocked by what didn't make the list. Success is not on the list. Influence is not on the list. Prosperity is not on the list. Intelligence is not on the list. Yet when I look at my life, when I look at what I want for Chris, when I look at what I want for my children, man, it's to be intelligent. It's to be successful. It's to be popular. That, yet, yet that's not fruit of the Spirit. It's not gentleness. Self-control, patience. I want my kids, I want myself to be more popular than I want to be patient. It's a problem. Man, I'm not, I'm not shocked by what's on the list. I'm shocked by what's not on the list. But, but I love God's upside-down way of thinking about everything. Yeah, the Spirit-initiated man, he's cultivated. That fruit of the Spirit is cultivated in him. Gentleness and kindness, and self-control. Ask yourself, man, am I, am I a spirit-initiated man? More than ever today, we, 
we need spirit-initiated men. We, we need to hold together um, a, a generation of men, and we need to take them on this journey, this, this good journey into God's design for manhood and masculinity so that we can, we can step out of being uninitiated. We can step out of being self-initiated. We can step out of being peer-initiated. We can push back against culture and become spirit-initiated men. So how do we do that? Like, where do we start? Well, I think we start in, in two places, right? And then, and then once we start there, it affects, it affects two things, which we'll talk about in the, in the next two weeks. But, but I think we start in two places. First, we have to start with God's Word. We have to become men of the Word, um, famous Dallas Theological Seminary professor Howard Hendricks would always say that a Bible falling apart typically belongs to a man who isn't. A Bible falling apart belongs to a man who isn't. We have to become men of the Word. And I meet so many men today, old men, young men, who, who are just biblically illiterate. Like they don't know the Bible. They don't know of God's goodness, of His grace, of His mercy, of His provision, because they don't know the story. They don't know His Word. So if we want to be Spirit-initiated men, we've got to know the Word of God. Romans 12 says, Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The, the Greek phrase there is one of, of restoration. It's talking about your mind being restored, just like you have a restoration project in your home. I just, I just did a restoration project on my hall bathroom. And when I said I, I mean the contractors that I hired to do it because I'm terrible with a hammer. But what's the first thing they did? They came into my bathroom and they ripped out all the old so that they could put in the new. That's what God's doing in your life. Like he's ripping out the old. The Holy Spirit is ripping out the old so he can put in the new. And the hammer that he uses, the hammer that he's swinging is the hammer of his word. It's the word of God so that our old desires and our old passions and our old thoughts and our old wants are replaced by his desires and his passions and his thoughts and his wants that are found in his word. We got to become men of the word. So, so when you think about that, um, I want you to start reading the word um, as your three people. I call this scripture schizophrenia. I want you to read the word like your like your three types of people. First, I want you to read the word like a son. When you sit down to read God's word. Read it like a son. God is your good father, and he has wrote you a letter. He has wrote you a book, and the promises in the, in the book, the, the majority of those promises, um, um, they're for you. They're there to encourage you and to instruct you. They're there to warn you and protect you. But, but your good father has wrote you a book, and you need to receive it like a son, like a son who's going to receive his full inheritance. God's word is a, 
is a book he wrote to you and for you about his goodness and love and his mercy and his son, King Jesus. So you got to get in that book and don't just don't just like listen to other men read the book and talk about the book. I know I know stuff like this is great podcast and YouTube, but 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 you need to read the word too. like like don't just listen to others, but but you do it. Imagine imagine your wife writing you a love letter and sending it to you every day, but you fall in love with the mailman delivering it. <laughs> That'd be ridiculous. Right? You don't, don't fall in love with the mailman. Don't fall in love with Chris Harper, man. Fall in love with God's word. Read it as a son. You also need to read it as a brother. So you should be reading the word in the company and community of other men. Absolutely. Because iron sharpens iron. You will see things in the word that I miss and I will see things in the word that you miss and we can build each other up in the word. I've got a brother, a brother in the faith who every morning he texts me what he reads and he texts me, he, he sends me his journal, his thoughts about the word and we're, we're constantly in the word together. We read the word as a brother and then lastly, you need to read it as a father. You read it as a son. You read it as a brother. You read it as a father. You need to read the word so that you can pass the word on. Every day, if you're learning something new in the word, seek to immediately give it away. This is why Paul says, um, store up the word. He tells Timothy to store it up. It's a good treasure, right? You want to put the word deep into your heart, deep into the bank, so that when you have to withdraw on the word, it doesn't come up insufficient funds. Because your spouse, your neighbor, your children, someone throughout the day is going to need an affirmation, an, an encouragement, a correction, a warning. And, and you should be able to pull out of the bank and give it to them. You can only do that if the word is stored in your heart. You need to read it like a father. Man, I'm learning this because I want to impart this. Scripture, schizophrenia. Read the word like a son, like a brother, like a father. Become a man of the word. That's how, that's how you grow in, in spirit initiation. A Bible falling apart usually belongs to a man who isn't. And then lastly, I think, I think to be spirit initiated, we need, we need to belong to a local church and we need to be surrounded by men of the faith. Man, we got to live in community. The Surgeon General recently reported that the number one killer of men today, it's not cancer, it's not heart disease, it's loneliness and isolation. Man, if you're going to grow, if you're going to be spirit initiated, you're going to need others in your life to help prompt that. So you need to belong to a local church. That is the vehicle God is using to change and, 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 and win the world, and you need to be part of that. You cannot grow spiritually outside of His church, outside of His body. So seek that out. Find a good Bible-teaching, Bible-preaching, Bible-loving church, man, and plant yourself there. Serve and be served. But get into a good community and group of men. You want to become spirit-initiated? Saturate yourself in God's word. Saturate yourself with God's people. Be in community with God's people. If you do that, that spirit initiation is then going to pour into how you respond as a husband, 
and how you respond as a dad, which changes your world. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next two weeks. But until then, if you want to learn more about what we're doing, learn more about better man, what it means to, to be God's man, God's good design and definition to be his man, man, check us out at betterman.com. Check us out, the Better Man podcast, the Better Man movement on Instagram, and learn more about what we're doing. Until then, I'll see you.